Thanks to Rothy's for supporting Muller, she wrote. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. They're stylish and versatile, and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. Get yourself a pair today with free shipping at rothys.com. Use promo code AG. And thanks to Noom for supporting Muller, she wrote. Sticking to a weight loss plan can be hard, but Noom is designed for results. It's out with the old habits and in with the new. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. And thanks to Honey for supporting Muller, she wrote. You ever buy something online only to find out later you missed a discount? Honey finds the best deals online. It's free and easy to use. Shop with confidence at joinhoney.com slash A-G. Hey, all. This is Glenn Kirshner, and you're listening to Muller, she wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Mandy Reeder. Hello. How are you? Good. Mm, yeah. Party time this weekend at Steph Miller's house. Yes. We danced. So fun. We did dance. Good. Yep. That's good. We danced a lot. I got to meet Lily Tomlin. That blew my mind. I, I, it's, it hasn't even really hit me yet. Um, but what what an incredible time and what a great group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you get a chance to party with Democrats, do Yeah, it. that was fucking awesome. Yeah. It was just like such good old fashioned fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Live band, open bar. Yeah. Dogs that size of ponies. Yeah, it was great. It was Mango salsa. Mm. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Some good shit. Chicken satay was good, too. Yes. I enjoyed it. Um, but we have a lot to get to this week. Uh, but I wanted to tell you about our upcoming live shows. We'll be at Politicon in Nashville on October 27th and Boston on November 7th at the City Winery. I believe tickets are still available for both. Uh, also, follow our sister pod on Twitter, at Daily Beans Pod. And if you do that, you're automatically entered to win dinner with me and our network CEO at uh, Starburns Audio. And we'll fly to your city in, in the lower 48 and we'll have dinner with you. We might go further. I don't know. I, I, I have to check. Sometimes tickets overseas are cheaper than yeah. to like fucking St. Louis Sometimes or you can get to Heathrow for 500 and it's 800 to go to Cincinnati. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, all you have to do is follow us at Daily Beans Pod. Once we hit 20,000, we'll pick, we'll pick somebody and we'll have dinner with you and a friend. Also, this is probably fair to say, if you're like socially anxious and that is an unappealing offer, not anything personal, but just because you're like, yeah, I don't want to be in- included in that. We can, you can always just gift like you know the your win to someone else or like we can redraw a name yeah. or something yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. in um, which case just do us a solid and follow us and i think we're gonna pick a, like a, a handful of other folks we're gonna send shirts and and mugs and stuff too yeah. and mm-hmm. and uh things like that so just you know totally follow us. it's free to follow us and mm-hmm. you could win a thing and then you also get to follow us which yeah. is give a, us your praise and affection which please. is a prize <laughs> in and of itself daily beans is going to be moving to its own so make sure you follow it on its own feed mm-hmm 
Uh, and yeah, and we're going to basically, in, in Muller She Wrote, we're going to be looking at 2016 and, and Daily Beans, we're going to be looking at 2020. That's kind of how I'm splitting them up. So uh, today's show, uh, we're going to be talking about the NRA, the IRS, uh, and the Ukraine clown posse. Thanks, Virginia Bauman, for that. <laughs> and for the interview, we have former FBI special agent and CNN analyst Asha Rangappa. So stick around for that. And that's going to be in the C block. But before we get to the news, it's time for my favorite segment, Corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. From Jamie Barnett, Finland is not Scandinavian. Scandinavia refers to Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. Some argue that the Faroe Islands, Finland, and Iceland are part of it, but generally that entire group is known as the Nordic countries. Uh, Jamie also likes our Monty Python clips, so here's one relevant to your interests. Oh, he's pining for the fields. Pining for the fields? Uh, One of our anonymous listeners says in episode 17, the Nixon tapes, AG says that McConnell has now said it's being reported that if the House votes for impeachment, the Senate, quote, has no choice but to hold trial to decide if Trump is removed from office. But uh, what McConnell actually said was we'll have to take it up. He never said they'll have to hold a trial. Mm. I'll have to double check on that. I I believe our correctors. But yeah, it was like, I will have no choice but to take it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sorry Whatever that. that means. Yeah. Take it up. Take it up to heaven where you can't see it. <laughs> take, take it up to my circular file. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it in the garbage. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Vivi Mendez says the word racies is not pronounced racies. It's uh, raices. The word actually means roots in Spanish, but it's an acronym for Refugee and Immigration Center for Education and Legal mm. Services. I only knew the acronym part, so thank you. Uh, I've listened to the pod for a while now, she says. I know y'all try to pronounce words as they should be, so I thought I'd let you know how this word is pronounced in Spanish so people could find the group easier. Cool. So, Raíces. Thank you. Um, another uh, anonymous correction says, in today's Daily Beans cookie crumbs, you said the state IG is going to three committees must mean it's a big deal. I'm here to let you know these are simply state committees of states committees of jurisdiction. So time state notifies the hill of any time the state notifies the hill of anything, we generally go to all three to avoid pissing the odd ones off. Huh, so. Okay. Uh, Josh Miller wants to clarify that Jesse Liu is the U.S. attorney for D.C., not Southern District of New York. Jeffrey Berman is Southern District of New York. So you're correct. Thank you for that. That's an actual legitimate correction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not to say that all the other corrections, no, 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 but totally. it's not yeah, about like a pronunciation. About, yeah. I'm wrong about a <laughs> lot, else. but that's a political wrong. So yeah. I, thank you. Uh, Brittany Marshmallow says, I can't believe I finally get to be relevant, but I think in Stupid Watergate episode, you guys were referring to diabetic neuropathy when you said angry toes. Yes. That's the tingly burning pain one can get with nerve damage as seen in diabetes and other diseases. Sincerely, a medical student who will never be able to stop thinking angry toes. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy Gribbler says, I'd love to give you due props. I'd love for you to give due props to Daniel Ellsberg. That's the guy who released the Pentagon Papers, an incredibly important person who helped the country uh, get back on course. You're absolutely right. Daniel Ellsberg, big ups. Pour out some from my homie. Uh, Georgia Cameron Clark says, you haven't screwed up. It's just a subtle tweak. In the Kensington wine room is where the whole thing began uh, with the Papadopoulos thing. It's not a pub. It's a really nice wine room with unusual wines and really good food. With Downer? Yeah. Yeah. When you eventually make it to London, which I really, really hope you do, I think we should meet there. London Ooh. show. We had a patron who <laughs> took a picture where they met. Yeah. Remember? And sent it to I us. totally forget yeah, his the name. The Kensington so Wine Room. Yes. But that, yeah, we met him at one of our shows. He was great. Um, Diane Wilson says it wasn't Bobby Brady that had the cracking voice in the Brady Bunch. It was Peter, Peter Brady. The episode, the episode is called Time to Change. When it's time to change, then it's time to change. 
Uh, from Donna Fafke. Uh, you, she goes, you gave me three seconds of fame when you aired my correction on pronouncing Greta Thunberg's name, but you really did a number on my last name. (laughs) I was going to let it go, but in keeping with the theme of the corrections, I just couldn't. So my last name is pronounced Faith Key. No, Fath Key, like Bath Key, but with an F. No biggie. It happens a lot. My driver's ed teacher slash football coach made me sit in the first seat of the first row so that roll call, he could just look over at me and grunt That's instead funny. of having to say Fath Key. Busy guy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Driver's ed and coach. That's usually how it goes. Like the health community, teacher. Community <laughs> leaders. The health class teacher also does, is usually a phys ed teacher and also generally the driver's ed teacher. Was driver's ed offered in school? Mm-hmm. Oh, not for me. We had to take it online, which makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it's an online driver's ed class. That's really weird. Yeah. That you have to pay for separately outside of the public is education it just, system. Is it just pole position? Like you boop, 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 No, I boop, think it's... And then you'd go driving? Yeah. I think it's like you learn like the concept of parallel parking and then like you have arrows that you can like read about around with on a keyboard read about feelings about parallel parking instead yeah. of actually going out and yeah. um edgar sanchez says amadeus from nevada not utah so thanks to edgar for that and thanks for all of your corrections if you have any head to muller click contact select corrections we'll get it right eventually we have a lot of news to get to so let's jump in with just the facts so we have some breaking news about Veselnitskaya. Haven't heard about her in a while. And her earlier connections between Akhmenshin and Sessions that could prove that Sessions lied to Congress. Jordan, you have that for us in Hot Notes. Mm-hmm. So Politico has a story uh, with the lead that hackers linked to the Iranian government have targeted the campaign of at least one 2020 presidential candidate. The news came from a blog post from Microsoft who say they witnessed what can only be described as significant digital activity by a group called Phosphorus. The attack was against current and former government officials, journalists covering global politics and a prominent uh, and prominent Iranians living outside Iran. So they attacked not just current presidential candidate, but current and former government officials, journalists and prominent Iranians living outside of Iran. Is, are they called expats if they're not American? Is anyone who doesn't live in their country an expat? Eh, there's, okay. As someone who is an expat, it's largely a thing that white people say. <laughs> Honestly, um, expat is sort of reserved for people from Western countries who move to other Western countries because that's more of a white concept than being an immigrant. Right. And it's like it's kind of, I don't know, the the term expat is kind of shitty in general. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I, yeah. because it's a cover up for immigrant. Yeah. I kind of stopped saying expat after a while. So I'm Canadian. I've lived in the UK and the US. And so people refer to me as an expat. And I did for a long time until I realized that like... You know, I was going through all the same channels as other people from poorer yeah. countries who called themselves immigrants. So it's kind of only when like a, a, a person moves from like a rich country to a rich country that they're an expat. People who don't have travel restrictions, basically. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to stop yeah. saying that, too. Think I about. mean, feel free to give me your own feedback on that, listeners. But that was just sort of something that I have picked up over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also know that people, especially us living in San Diego, there's a lot of folks who live in Mexico. And I've heard them refer to themselves as expats, which also has a lot of inherent privilege because ah. honestly, they have a bunch of they have a bunch of money, right. and they go and they like buy some ridiculously large and chill estate. Yeah, 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 I, yeah exactly. It, yes, mm-hmm. or, or a Western person moving to a poorer country who yeah. sets up shop there is but also getting like to like expat. living it up. Yeah, it tends yeah. to be only something that like people from richer countries say. Oh yeah. well, I'll stop saying it. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Thank you. I didn't know yeah, that. And no now I feel like I do. And I feel like I'm smarter and better for it. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, this attack was against current and former government officials and prominent Iranians living outside of Iran and journalists. And then on Friday, Reuters reported that anonymous sources say Iranian hackers tried to infiltrate Donald Trump's campaign. But the campaign has said they have no evidence they were compromised. Between August and September, Phosphorus made more than 2,700 attempts to identify consumer Microsoft accounts, attacked 241 of them, four of which were actually infiltrated, none of which belonged to a government official. So the 2,700 attempts uh, is the big number there. And uh, their primary tactic, according to emails obtained by Politico, is to fish using fake LinkedIn profiles. That's what they're doing. Um, all right. Also, here's here's an interesting story. Remember, remember Judge Reggie Walton? He's a veteran Bush appointee that was presiding over a FOIA case for BuzzFeed to get an mm. unredacted version of the Mueller report. Yes. This is right before Barr released his redacted version. Uh, and that Walton said he would wait to reserve judgment on whether the redactions were appropriate until he saw what Barr put out to the public. But once the report came out, the judge said he might reserve the right to overview the redactions for appropriateness because the report did not coincide with the White House and Department of Justice's assessment that there was no collusion in no obstruction. So that's Reggie Walton, veteran judge, uh, Bush appointee. And this week he had something to say about the Andy McCabe case. And as we know, the Department of Justice was criminally investigating Andy McCabe for lack of candor regarding his statements to officials, IG officials and otherwise, about his approval of certain information to be given to the Wall Street Journal in two instances. One of the instances, he was proved correct with the release of the emails between himself and Comey, showing he did notify Comey of the decision. The other, he corrected uh, his statement to the officials shortly after he spoke to them. But despite all that, uh, and taking into account that Trump has been after him since he opened the investigation into him and found out his wife was a Democrat, I guess, uh, the Department of Justice tried to pursue charges against him. So during that time, we know that two of the line prosecutors quit the case for the way it was being handled. They say it was being mismanaged. And eventually... The Department of Justice told McCabe's lawyers they were not going to drop the investigation, and that they, then they recalled the grand jury. And usually when the DOJ says they're pursuing charges and they recall the grand jury, the grand jury that same day usually hands in, down an indictment right then. But this grand jury did not, and we think they balked. Uh, but we learned in the last couple of weeks that they for sure didn't, in fact, at all indict McCabe. Uh, and the Department of Justice, however, did not close the case uh, and I bet I, I bet you I can guess why. But this week, the judge, Judge Reggie Walton, told the DOJ either indict Andy or close the investigation. You have until October 15th. Fuck yeah. That's soon. It's really soon. Yes. So should her get off the pot? Yeah, it's a waste of government resources, <laughs> first off. And second mm-hmm. off, like, what is that? It's just holding something over his head, basically, right? Yeah. Like, what what purpose does that even serve? I think they're still just trying to find a way to yeah. indict him. And yeah. that, that grand jury wouldn't, maybe they were going to panel another one that would find specific, I don't know, do a runaway jury thing, call John Cusack. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you can't just keep an investigation open hoping to find <laughs> something. Well, like. I, I bet, like, I mean, this all came out, like, before all this Ukraine stuff really started going down, too. Yeah. So I wonder if now all of their resources are entirely just <laughs> redirected or something. They're all like, the department. Of justice lawyers yeah, are out trying to fi- investigate Biden or yeah. some shit. Yeah, they're like, we don't have we don't have the time to fabricate charges against this person. <laughs> We're doing that with so many other people right now. Yeah, we're and, too backlogged. Yeah, so so Reggie, excuse me, I should call him Judge Walton. Uh, he, he, October fifteenth, you have to either indict him or close the case. And he added that if the Department of Justice does not comply with his order, he himself will release all the documents from the FBI regarding McCabe's firing. Fuck yeah. Keep in mind, Andy has a lawsuit filed against the Department of Justice and the FBI for wrongful termination. Mm -hmm. I would assume that these FBI documents would help his case tremendously, uh, though he would likely get them in discovery of his own in his own lawsuit. But in his lawsuit, those could be filed under seal and we'd never see them. 
Walton wants to release these documents to the public. That could be damning for McCabe, possibly, but I don't think that you would threaten the Department of Justice by releasing documents that help the Department of Justice. Why? I'm, I'm curious, because that, that seems... I hate to use the word political here, but that's kind of like a big decision for a judge to make, to make documents public. And more and more we're learning that they have that power, right? Yeah, and, but I mean, well, they've done it before and they, uh-huh. you know, it's 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 generally something that they do when they say, like, for example, when uh, the Cohen case left the Southern District of New York, the judge released all the Cohen warrant stuff. Right. He's like, oh, you're not going <clears> to... <throat> Let, you're not going to give me this case? All yeah. right, I'm just going to release all this stuff to the public. So do you think... Sorry, you were going to say something. I don't think it's... I, I think the way that the judge probably sees it, considering he's a Bush appointee, and if he's at all p- political, he might be even more conservative-leaning, is that the truth gets out. Right. Yeah, that's... Yeah, and when I say political, I didn't mean it in the sense that the word is overused nowadays. But uh, yeah, yeah. But, like, it is... And I guess that's not even the right word. It's more of just a dedication to their job, which is to administer justice fairly, and justice includes the public's view of a situation, I imagine. But yeah. but that's... And them, I shouldn't call it a threat either when I say threaten to release these documents. He right. just says, I'm going to release the documents in this case if you don't make a decision. Right. I just wonder if what's going on in his... So that the public can make a decision. Exactly. What it is. Yeah. If, yeah, I wonder if what's going on in his head and other judges' heads when they release documents is... at uh, Okay, so up until this point, we've had all of this, you know media surrounding this case and people don't know what's what and there's a lot of allegations specifically on one side the crazy people side (laughs) and and the only thing you know since we're not going to go through and they're not going to you know successfully charge him this is a way to clear the air maybe i guess or or this is some way to reach some kind of resolution on this case for the people who have been following it and he feels like he owes that to the american public and there is a lot in the law that says that public interest should be taken into account. Yeah. And so that that could be it too. It could be yeah, the transparency totally. for public interest, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in these media cases that, right. you know, that you're talking about. Well, they've got until October 15th. Uh, I'm sure the Department of Justice will delay as long as they can while they try to convince a grand jury somewhere to indict McCabe, but I, I, I don't think that there's anything <laughs> indictable here. Anybody? Anybody want to? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they'll do the... <laughs> I, can't, I can't do a... And it's a, like a peanut hawker or something. Indictments. Anyhow. Step right up and win some crap. Uh, Um, So lots of folks have tried to tell me now that Mueller isn't relevant in the current impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump for his dealings with Ukraine. But when you consider the concept of corrupt intent and the issues of totality of evidence that are raised in the Mueller report and the fact that Trump has his Ukraine clown posse, thank you, Virginia Bauman, traveling the globe to discredit Mueller's findings in the 2016 election interference investigation mm-hmm. that Russia indeed hacked the DNC, DCCC, and Podesta. Mueller is still very much involved. Yeah. Uh, maybe not himself personally, right. but the investigation. So first, if you think about the fact that Trump has been hiding transcripts and memos of meetings and calls in a code word protected NICE classified server, it's called NICE, NSC, something environment i don't know it's mm-hmm. very, go over in daily beans intelligence yeah yeah i did i did i went over it in daily beans uh nsc intelligence communications environment mm-hmm. nice uh anyway so if you think about the fact that he's hiding transcripts in there and one of those meetings included the oval office fiasco in which trump divulged israeli intel to the russians about isis in syria uh, we now know Mueller didn't have access to or knowledge of that server. Or if he did have knowledge of that server, they didn't give him the information. And we, he said in the report that he didn't get a lot of stuff. And, and you know, to keep that in mind when you read my decision to not, you know, charge on a, a, a broader conspiracy. 
Uh, but that's an indication that many people he spoke to, including Trump, were not forthcoming about the information in the secure server. Uh, we know that because Mueller mentions the Oval Office meeting. He does. He mentions it all. But he leaves out the fact that Trump told Russia he wasn't concerned about their interference. And Americans do it all the time. That would have been an important piece of evidence for volume one of the Mueller report on a broader conspiracy. He's, he's acquiescing and acknowledging um, the, the hack. Or at least the interference, uh, whether he, he, you know, he agrees with it or not is, you know, whether he likes it or not isn't the point. It's that he, he acknowledges that it existed. Yeah. And the most blatant connection to me is that Mueller was investigating election interference and now Trump is continuing election interference <laughs> and he's seeking it out personally with all of these different countries. Yeah. So just, it's very, very much related. Doing it on street corners. Yeah. It's the same shit, different country. Yeah. At, the, not the same shit. But they're you know not I mean. press conferences. Somebody called him yellicopters when he's like out yelling in front of a helicopter, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a great term for it. Um, and this week in a piece from Politico. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm so sorry. No, I just had a thought. Maybe he does it in front of helicopters because then he can say that they misheard him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's Super actually real. Super oh space my God. So in a, in a piece from Politico this week by Andrew Desiderio and Darren Samuelson, uh, who's, who's I consider a friend, uh, lawyers for the Dems in the House believe that the grand jury redactions in the Mueller report prove that Trump lied about his knowledge with campaign contacts with WikiLeaks. So we're, we're even getting a step further here. If you remember a while, but this is this week, but if, a while back, the House Dems petitioned the court for grand jury materials. They invoked their Article One powers of impeachment. That's when I think the impeachment inquiry actually launched, but I digress. Uh, in a court filing in response to a Department of Justice Justice filing that opposed the release of the grand jury material. So we asked for the grand jury stuff. The DOJ opposed it. Uh, and then now there's a filing uh, in response to that opposition. Uh, count, the counsel for the House's legal team, Doug Letter, cited a passage in the Mueller report where Manafort said he recalled Trump asking to be kept updated about WikiLeaks disclosures. And on that page, there is a grand jury redaction that the Democrats say could be evidence Trump was aware of the campaign's contacts with WikiLeaks. And here's how Ukraine fits in. Uh, the filing also said that those events could be relevant to the current impeachment inquiry, saying the grand jury materials would further the House investigations, the House's investigation of Trump's alleged attempts to pressure Ukraine to prosecute individuals who testified against Manafort. So it is all very relevant and mm -hmm. it's still happening. That's this week in a court filing is they're like, we think that Trump did know and we think that Barr possibly um, shouldn't have redacted that bit due to grand jury material, or if it is grand jury material and should have been, we need to see the grand jury material so that we can know whether Trump knew about the WikiLeaks connection, because that adds to the totality of evidence yeah. of his impeachable, you know, activity of assisting other countries in, in interfering in our elections. And not only Trump's impeachable activity, but bars. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck bar. I yeah. Believe, I can't believe he's the attorney general. I know. <laughs> it makes me so sad. I know. And th just to even think for a second that when he was appointed, people, like we kind of thought it would maybe be chill. Yeah, I, right. For a second, Ugh. we did, and and the the ladies over at Gaslit Nation were like, "You're dumb. You're mm -hmm. being you're being fucking dumb." I'm like, "Come on, give them the." Oh yeah, you're right. We were mm -hmm. dumb. They were so right. Yes, you were, ladies. Hats off. Um, for a sad reason. You win for a sad reason. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think they revel in any of their think, victories. Yeah, I don't think this. Is, yeah, is it really a W yeah. when everyone else is losing? Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, we'll be right back with more headlines. 
This is AG, and I want to tell you about this company making stylish shoes out of recycled plastic water bottles. They're the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn, so they're stylish, sustainable, and comfortable enough for everyday wear anywhere. They're called Rothy's, and they've quickly grown to the most loved gotta-have-them brand, so it's no surprise they have over a thousand nearly perfect reviews. Um, They're the perfect flat for me. I absolutely love them. I can't say enough. I'm a little bit obsessed, actually. I have three pairs in black, the loafer, the point, and the flat, but they also have sneakers. And I love them for so many reasons. First of all, they pack and travel perfectly. They're small. They fit anywhere. They're bendy. Uh, they slip They slip on uh, really nicely. There's no break-in period. They're breathable, so they're perfect for air travel. Um, don't take off your shoes on a plane. Um, <laughs> uh, second, they're incredibly versatile, so I can wear them at business meetings. I can wear them at cocktail hour or touring cities, walking around museums with, with yoga pants and hoodies. I'm all about the sustainability, too. Rothy's are made of recycled plastic water bottles, and to date, they have kept over 35 million bottles out of oceans and landfills, and that's amazing. And they're made in a zero-waste factory, and they ship right in the box, so that minimizes packaging, too. I hate it when you open a box and there's a box inside, and then you open that box and there's more boxes. Uh, it's like a Russian doll situation for shoes. But finally, they, they're they machine washable. And I love this. So you can toss them in the washing machine. It's like getting a new pair of shoes. And, and while mine are all black, Rothy's comes in a wide range of colors and patterns. They're constantly launching new styles. So you're guaranteed to find a pair or three that you'll love. I have three. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash AG. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash AG to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. That's rothys.com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. Okay, there's a little bit of a content warning uh, in this upcoming story. Just mild for drug use, but also suicide. But it has to do with Deutsche Bank. So, you know, weigh your options here uh, because it, it's, it's a really incredible story uh, from The New York Times uh, this week. Uh, it's called Me and My Whistleblower. It's about an unlikely hero named Val Brooksmith. Uh, Brooksmith is the son of the late head of risk management and board member at Deutsche Bank, Bill Brooksmith. In 2014, Bill Brooksmith, Val's father, died by suicide when he hanged himself. And within nine days, Val noticed his dad's computer was up and his email accounts were open and found thousands upon thousands of documents related to Deutsche Bank. Specifically, these documents were collected by Bill Brooksmith to help him defend himself against all the wrongdoing that was going on at Deutsche Bank that he was a part of just by being uh, board member at Deutsche Bank and head of risk management, head of risk management. Oh, God. Uh, as we know, Deutsche Bank has a long history of misconduct, including manipulating markets, evading taxes, uh, bribing officials, violating sanctions, international sanctions, defrauding customers, laundering money for Russian billionaires. They have a long history of this. And we also know that Trump does uh, has done extensive business with Deutsche Bank. Uh, when he was broke and no one else would lend him money, Deutsche Bank lent him money. Mm-hmm. And that was while Justice Kennedy's kid worked there. Jeffrey Epstein, too, was a big customer. Yep, absolutely. I think Barr was on a thing that defended them. Anyway, a lot of assholes. Thank you, Dwayne Uh And and that's a whole other scandal, the Justice Kennedy thing, uh, speaking of that. But Val Brooksmith, musician uh, in a band called Bikini Robot Army, mm-hmm. uh, with a history of drug use, did, does a lot of heroin, coke, uh, oxy, snorts oxy. Uh, in fact, when he when he had this information, he's out trying to give it to people. He would often like be in between meetings with the FBI agents and attorneys and stop it into the bathroom to to snort oxy. <clears throat> and this is all from the journalist who, you know, who interviewed him. It was all he said. It's fine to tell my whole story. Um, so these these aren't like we aren't reporting on something that somebody doesn't want us to know. It's out there, and he's he's given his okay for it. Um, but he he was. Because of his history of drug use, um, 
a lot of people were first skeptical about his father. Well, he was also skeptical about his father's suicide, but he learned through this tranche of documents that his father left a suicide note in, and it was in this, in these Deutsche Bank records because he left a suicide note to Anshu Jane. That's the, at the time, the co-chief executive of Do- Deutsche Bank. And the note read, you were so good to me and I have repaid you with carelessness. I betrayed your trust and hid my horrible uh, nature from you. I can't be. I can't even begin to fathom the damage I've done. I'm eternally sorry and condemned. And and that note left Val in tears. And he read on to find to find out later that his late father, uh, who had once looked into the conduct, basically he he looked into the conduct of some Deutsche Bank traders and concluded, mistakenly, that nothing was wrong. It turned out, however, that those traders he was looking into were manipulating the LIBOR which is a benchmark interest rate that is relied upon globally to set prime, you know, they go, what is the prime interest rate today? Uh, it's, the, the LIBOR has a lot to do with that. And they were manipulating it, these traders. And and Val's dad found nothing wrong with that, either mistakenly or otherwise. As the head of risk management. As the head of risk management for the entire global. So turning a blind eye. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it, or mistakenly didn't notice it. I'm not sure which, but... Brokesmith feared he could become the subject of government scrutiny, prosecution. He spiraled mentally, um, eventually consulted a doctor and a psychologist. And after his suicide, the coroner scheduled a public hearing and intended to read aloud from the doctor's letters, indicating the anxiety that he felt that caused him to imagine these worst case scenarios like prosecution, loss of wealth, loss of reputation. So the coroner wanted to read all that. But the morning of the press briefing, Deutsche Bank lawyers urged her not to do so, and she acquiesced. So almost everything about Brooke Schmidt's specific anxieties related to the bank was expunged. Uh, where, where it had said his, his, he had anxiety about prosecution, prosecution was crossed out, and it read that he had anxiety about issues. So it was all, everything Deutsche Bank was whitewashed from, um, from that. And Val found the original coroner's report and the whitewashed version, the edited version, in these documents. So Mm. he had all that now. So Val set out to get the documents in the hands of the right people. He contacted the Department of Justice and the FBI and then a bunch of journalists. One journalist from Financial Times got back to him and said someone was willing to pay him for his documents. And and in January of 2017, he got $1,000 in his PayPal account from none other than Glenn Simpson at Fusion GPS. Mm. Uh, The documents eventually found their way into anti-money laundering agents at the New York Fed. And a few months later, the Fed fined Deutsche Bank $41 million for violations in the unit that Brooke Schmidt oversaw. It's not known if that's a coincidence. I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, <clears throat> but they, they, you know, the, the Feds won't talk. The unit being risk management. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's $41 million was fined for shit that went on in his unit. Mm-hmm. Shortly after they got the documents from mm-hmm. Val. And they aren't saying if it, it was the documents or if they just... Oh, we just found it on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, Brooke Schmidt moved to Hollywood because he wanted to monetize what he knew and what he had. Um, and at a party, he met Moby, and Moby arranged for an introduction to his good friend, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff and Moby are friends. That makes sense. So, <laughs> so Val wanted money or a job as a consultant working with, with Schiff, but Schiff was like, no. Um, and then Whammo, this summer, Schiff has subpoenaed him for his documents. Ha-ha. And, and now Never he's, tell a congressman what you have. <laughs> and now he's co-op... I wonder if Moby wrote a song about it. But now he's cooperating with the <laughs> FBI in the matter. Um, both House Democrats and the FBI are investigating Deutsche Bank, mostly in connection with Trump. But I think that the story here is, is first of all, unlikely whistleblower, um, you know, bikini robot army guy. 
um, drug user. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, but aren't you worried about getting your documents from this kind of a person? And it's like, no, they're documents. The documents are the documents. Mm-hmm. And, and just because somebody is who they are doesn't mean that what they have isn't real. And, you know, that's, I think, a big important piece of this. And just that Schiff subpoenaed this guy. And so when, remember the stories we were hearing that they were starting to get Deutsche Bank documents? Might not have been from Deutsche Bank. Might have been from this dude. Hmm. Hmm. It's interesting, right? That is interesting. Yeah, that's all very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that $1,000 was the price they were going to pay for that. That seems really low. I think yeah. it was supposed to be a total of 10000 Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, that does seem low. For, yeah. for Fusion GPS specifically and for a tranche of Deutsche Bank documents yeah. from the head of risk management globally. Yes. Who killed himself. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Died, died by, by suicide. suicide. Yeah. I'm not uh, I'm not judging his son by any means, but it's also kind of an interesting pursuit to go out with the goal of getting money from shopping those documents around. Yeah, when they could lend themselves to justice, but I'm not judging. He wants to be famous. And he's said this and he's told this journalist this, like, why? where's my... I want to be in a movie. Somebody should make a movie about yeah, me. Yeah, he came to L.A. for that reason. Yeah, he's trying to monetize it. Um, and it, it might not be going the way he wants, but I think that the the closing paragraph was like, a he, but he matters now. And I, th- right. I think that that's actually, he realizes that's what he wanted was to matter. Mm-hmm. And so... And sorry, you said he was trying to get Shift to pay for it? He was trying to get a job as a consultant. Oh, a job. Okay, got yeah. it. Okay. But money. Right, yeah. As a consultant, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And Schiff's like, nah, we got those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here's a subpoena. Give me your stuff. Yeah. So they they were trying to work it out, but it didn't work out. Um, but I just, mm. Schiff and Moby hanging out. Somebody needs to do that <laughs> sketch Saturday Night Live. Where are you? <laughs> uh, I, I would have never taken Schiff to be like a... A little bit a of a movie, weirdo. dude. Yeah. yeah, he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be at the party <laughs> last night. I think. Oh, really? I know Maxine Waters. She said was maybe going to show yeah. up. Yeah, and uh, but I know Schiff was invited. But I, I, now I can kind of see maybe Schiff's a little punk rock. Yeah, I just imagine him on stage with I'm, Moby or something. I'm not saying Moby like, is punk rock. Punk rock. I'm no, not yeah, not. Well, he, I mean, his music definitely alternative. Is not. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to do. Not be hard top to do an 40. SNL sketch about Moby now without the gropey stuff. Oh, yeah, that's true. Moby got gropey? <laughs> Moby got gropey. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently he liked to go and put his dick on people at parties. Okay. Like, he just liked to walk up and, like, place his dick upon you. All right. Just, like, a little gentle dick Yeah, nudge. some, like, essence sharing. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently. Oh, God. Why does Sorry that to ruin your day, George. Can, yeah. can you, like, wait, oh, I was at a party last night. I got dicked by Moby. <laughs> <laughs> Moby dicked me. Moby Dick. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, like of all the like weird, creepy shit you could do at a party, it's not like, it's yeah, not that's like an really ass bad. smack or like any, you know, like a boob grab or something. It's just coming up behind you and gently. Apparently, yeah. he didn't want them to know it was happening. Like he would just put his dick on you and walk away. Oh my God. <laughs> Moby's dick. Jesus Christ. So yeah. He has such peaceful music. Right? <laughs> <laughs> What is happening? But yeah, oh, God. I'm, 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 <laughs> I got dicked. I got the Moby dick. Uh, that sucks. I grew up on Moby. My dad's a huge Moby fan. I wonder if he named his dick Ishmael. my childhood up. <laughs> I can't even now. I can't. His name's Herman. Oh, God. Herman Melville. Okay. All right. Uh, Moving on. <laughs> wow. 
Moby Dick break. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have an update now on the IRS whistleblower story. Um, we know this. Richard Neal, House Ways and Means Committee, requested six years of Trump's tax returns to determine whether the IRS program responsible for auditing the president and vice president's tax returns was being carried out properly. Uh, as we know, Steve... Uh, that's what I call Mnuchin and the or Mnuchin, uh, Steve, fuck you. It's Steve. <laughs> so Steve and the IRS refused to hand over tax returns. And and then we saw a letter <clears throat> in the back matter of a court filing made by the House Ways and Means Committee in attachment QQ, QQ, <laughs> that mentioned a, politi- a potential whistleblower <clears throat> having concerns about the handling of the request uh, by the IRS and the Treasury. So there was like little inklings of this whistleblower complaint in a letter in, in QQ. Well, we learned Friday that the Treasury's acting inspector general has opened an investigation into whether the Trump administration acted improperly. We also learned that the whistleblowers, the whistleblower has filed a formal complaint, and they did it in July, and that at least one politically appointed person, they said in the complaint, at least one politically appointed person in the Treasury Department attempted to interfere in the audit process. My beans are on Steve. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, according to the Washington Post, the Treasury has two inspectors general, the Treasury IG and the Tax Administration IG. This investigation is being conducted by the Treasury IG, and the Tax Administration IG has not said if it's also investigating the matter. <clears throat> and I don't know. The Treasury IG, I think, is an acting uh, Trump appointee. And given what just happened with the State Department inspector general, where they went to Capitol Hill and briefed nine committees to Sunday on these documents in Trump hotel folders that Giuliani sent over about that he printed off the Internet that are all these weird Joe Biden conspiracy theories. If that if the if that's what the State Department IG thinks is a legitimate reason to brief Congress, I'm concerned about the uh, inspector general for the treasury like are they a good inspector general like the intelligence community inspector general or are they a shithead inspector general like the fucking inspector general at the state department sketch or nah yeah sketch or nah we'll see we'll find out um uh because if there is a legitimate complaint uh from an irs employee that a treasury department official political appointee at Mm -hmm. least one tried to interfere with the tax um Trump's tax audit. Yeah. Well, it's incredibly believable for yeah. me yeah. because I mean, look at who appointed them, right? Yeah. So at this point, I just assume that that's happening pretty much in all departments where there are but Trump the ICIG appointees. The was great, and he's a Trump appointee. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I can't tell who's. I see that more. I guess as an exception. Yeah. Than the rule. Mm-hmm. You're right. All right. We'll be right back with uh, hot notes, and they're extra hot. So stick around. Not like Moby's dick hot, but they're good. Sticking to a health plan can be hard, especially when you're not prepared to handle thoughts and obstacles that can hold you back from making any progress. But then I found Noom, and let me tell you how they can help you live a healthier lifestyle. For me, I was an all-or-nothing person when it came to my health and fitness. I would either be full-on, zero-carb, six days a week in the gym, and then once I had a burrito, I'd feel like I'd tanked the whole operation, and so then I would just stop going to the gym and eat burritos all the time. As you can imagine, that's not a sustainable or fun way to live. But Noom has this cognitive behavioral approach that helps you develop a sustainable relationship 
relationship with food and exercise, and they get rid of the guilt and, you know, all that stuff. You can build new and better habits customized for you so that you can recognize the things that block your success. Uh, it's incredibly convenient. I used to have five different apps to track my workouts, count my steps, log my food, get nutrition information, and consult a, a support community. But now all of that is in the Noom app, all in one place, the palm of your hand. And, you know, we're all strapped for time, but Noom just takes about 10 minutes a day to dedicate yourself to, and we all can use that self-care time anyway. So there's an easy 30-second online evaluation that helps you develop a personalized plan to meet your health goals. And it's not just about weight loss. Uh, though when I first started Noom, I did lose about 17 pounds. But over the last eight months, I've been able to keep it off because Noom gave me the tools customized to my needs to help me stop that all-or-nothing behavior uh, and quit the guilty feeling about burritos, basically, so I can enjoy them now. That was my goal, to learn to moderate so I could stay healthy but also enjoy foods that I love. Uh, and the support I got from the Noom community and my nutrition coach were priceless. I can't recommend this app enough. Noom is designed for results, so it's out with old habits and in with the new. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash A-G to start your trial today. Again, that's Noom.com slash A-G. Start losing weight for good. All right. Welcome back. Hot notes. All right. We're going to do hot notes a little differently today. Usually Jordan would go first, but today Jordan's hot note doubles as sabotage. Oh, you have a sabahot note, sabotage note. I don't know. Moby Dick. So (laughs) I'll start today. Uh, and that way we can segue nicely into the Fantasy Indictment League with your hot note, because Perfect. I think it could have some implications. Oh, yeah. Well, so I've been wondering to myself, now that Mueller is done, and we're all focused on the Ukraine clown posse, credit Virginia Bauman. And by the way, I'm going to keep saying credit Virginia Bauman for the rest of this episode, but probably after that, I'm just going to call them the Ukraine clown posse. Um, so now you know where I got it. I, I just I credit where credit's due, but not every time onto infinity. I tagged her on Twitter. Hi, Virginia. You're funny. Um, it's, it's just Ukraine clown posse. Yeah, it doesn't so get good. much better than that. So I'm wondering what we'll cover in Mueller, she wrote, uh, since the entire impeachment inquiry was kicked off by Mueller's testimony. Uh, at least that's when the House started invoking Article One powers and their filings for grand jury materials and underlying evidence in the Mueller report. And and I, so I'm trying to figure out what are we going to cover in Mueller, she wrote, what are we going to cover in Daily Beans? And I've worked it out in my head. Uh, of course, here at Mueller, she wrote, we will continue to cover things like the NRA, ties to Butina, torsion, which are still very relevant, how the code word classified NICE system may have housed documents that people lied to Mueller about, or the Roger Stone trial starts in November. Uh, etc. But one one major part of the Ukraine scandal we're learning about is this effort by Trump, um, the Department of Justice and the State Department to discredit the Mueller findings that Russia hacked the election. And it's not just the Mueller findings. That was the intelligence community findings, the Senate House Intel- Senate and House intelligence community findings. Russia hacked our elections. Our old Department of Justice under Rod Rosenstein, because Sessions was recused at the time, indicted 26 Russians for hacking us. It's it, There's no question about it. Russia hacked our elections. And now... Trump is trying to get people to say that they didn't, that it was the Democrats that worked with the, the Ukrainians to, to to do it somehow. Or Seth Rich was their first conspiracy theory. <clears throat> so that's the part we'll focus on here at Mueller, she wrote, these favors abroad, um, along with other things, the other things that I mentioned that are still going on with the Mueller probe that is still very relevant. And you'll get even a more, a more relevant breaking story from Jordan here in a minute. 
uh, that Veselnitskaya is back in the news. It's it's it it doesn't go away just because it's over. Um, and the Daily Beans will keep up with the day to day news about impeachment for interference in the 2020 election. And Mueller, she wrote, will watch current events connected with discrediting 2016. So in light of that, I wanted to discuss today all of the recent news we're learning about the Trump administration efforts to overturn or otherwise discredit the conclusion that Russia hacked our elections in 2016. A conclusion supported by the Department of Justice, as I said, in their indictment of the Russians, by Mueller in his report, by our entire intelligence community in their 2017, January 2017 assessment, not to mention, like I said, entire Congress, less a few traitors, but including the Senate House, uh, Senate and House Intelligence Committees, who reached the same conclusion. So uh, let's look at the way Trump is abusing his power using agencies to investigate other origins, <clears throat> or excuse me, investigate the origin, the oranges of the Mueller report <laughs> and discredit the findings. Um, somebody said that on uh, who was it? Katie Turr, maybe, or, or Brooke Baldwin. Somebody said it on NBC, the oranges of the investigation. And then somebody was like, Mueller, she wrote, she listens to Mueller, she wrote. And I was like, I, I think she's just really making fun of the oranges of the investigation. Yeah, that was a pretty blatantly mocked moment yeah. for him. Yeah, it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty open for interpretation there. Um, but aside from the Hillary emails investigation, which ramped up after Ukraine whistleblower, com- the Ukraine whistleblower complaint was f- filed, first brought to the DOJ and Trump. That's when he ramped up this Hillary investigation, sending emails, basically retroactively classifying previously non-classified emails that were sent to Hillary's private server and then sending letters to those people who sent those emails and said, we reclassified your email. You sent classified shit to Hillary Clinton. You could be in trouble. And they're like, what? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So they're they're still looking at Hillary's emails. So from that... um, we have Trump calling Australia to tell them to work with Barr to help him with the Papadopoulos origins of the investigation. Then we have Barr with Durham in Italy, um, which we put some beans on. And then the Washington Post confirmed the beans the next day that he was there to get help with the or- origins of the Mueller probe and the Trump investigation. Then, uh, lo and behold, we found out Barr was there to watch the deposition of Mifsud. So, mm-hmm. you know, and Mifsud was the professor who told Papadopoulos he had, uh, you know, Russia had dirt on mm-hmm. Hillary. And uh, Mifsud is supposedly a deep state operative that was sent by the FBI to entrap uh, our our wonderful Papadopoulos. Then we have Giuliani working with Ukraine on the DNC hack conspiracy, trying to cobble together a story that Russia didn't do it. Though Rosenstein, like I said, even tweeted out, that's stupid. Um, Russia did it. There's no question. It's unequivocal. And since then, we've gotten text messages between State Department and Ukraine officials confirming Trump was tying White House visits and the withholding of military aid to investigations into Biden and the 2016 election interference findings. It's not just about Biden. He wants to discredit the the findings that Russia hacked our election in 2016. The Trump story uh, being, you know, his side of the story is that the Dems actually leaked their own emails to WikiLeaks with the help of Ukraine or Russia or China or whoever he's talking to (laughs) at the time. Washington Post also reports Barr made overtures to British intelligence officials to help discredit our own intelligence community's findings that Russia hacked our elections and to discredit the origins of the Mueller investigation. Not to mention the dark propaganda solicited by Trump from Ukraine in the face of losing military aid to state publicly that they doubt the origins of the Mueller probe by saying that they're investigating it. And Asha will go over that um, kind of propaganda for, uh, in detail in the interview a bit later. So stick around for that. So anyhow, this this coordinated campaign to cast doubt on the Mueller findings and the origins of the Mueller investigation itself tells me they have nothing. Uh, and it only ramped up after the whistleblower complaint came to light. 
Pompeo, for example, was in Italy from October 1st through the 6th, and we haven't heard about any reporting outside our own beans on that. Now they're in Greece, and Deripaska's there. I don't know if they're meeting, but that's just an interesting coincidence. Yeah. But big, big picture, we have to remember there are two major sets of sanctions against Russia. One are the sanctions they got for invading Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, for trying to annex Crimea, annexation of Crimea, the, an- the, the annexation of Crimea, not trying. Um, this is what was at the center of the Ukraine peace plan that Kushner was putting together during the election. This is why Trump is trying to get Zelensky to agree to a peace plan with Putin. That's why he's pushing it on him, you know, despite his terror, terror-ridden face about the idea in that press conference. Because if there's a peace accord between Ukraine and Russia, no need for the sanctions for invading Crimea. Mm-hmm. You remember during Trump's press conference with Zelensky, he pushed him to make that deal with Putin. And, mm-hmm. and Zelensky was like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, And then the reason they're trying to discredit the conclusion that Russia interfered in our elections by pushing the Dem Ukraine conspiracy and that Ukraine hacked instead of Russia is so they can lift sanctions Obama put on Russia for interfering in the election. Those are the two main sets of sanctions, attacking Crimea, invading and annexation, and then interfering in our elections. And Barr was in Italy um, while dudes from Rosneft were there. Um, and that has to do with the pipeline Putin wants through Ukraine. And it might be why Putin invaded in the first place. And don't forget about the massive sell-off of Rosneft, and we don't know where that commission went. But the big picture here is sanctions. It's always been about sanctions. We've been saying this since 2017. Trump first tried to relieve the Russian election interference sanctions by trying to make Seth Rich stick so he could blame the Dems. Meanwhile, he pressures Ukraine to help him investigate Biden. But don't forget, the first time Ukraine got some javelins, the Manafort investigations, four of them, stopped. And discontinued, they discontinued cooperating with Mueller on his Manafort investigation. Who brokered that deal? My beans are on Giuliani. And he's now being subpoenaed for documents going that far back. And I think that's why they subpoenaed him for two years of documents. Uh, that fits up with the timeline <clears throat> of the end of the Ukraine Manafort investigation. So never forget, it's always been about sanctions. That's what the June 9th, 2016 meeting was about. It was about sanctions. Uh, it was disguised as adoptions because Russian adoptions were pulled in response to the Magnitsky Act, which is sanctions. And Veselnitskaya was the leader of an initiative to kill the Magnitsky Act. And now that Trump is facing impeachment, they're scrambling not only to solicit help against Trump campaign rivals, but to discredit the 2016 findings <clears throat> and make peace between uh, Russia and Ukraine, possibly through threats, so he can lift sanctions on Russia before he shuffles off the presidential coil. Um, I know it's mortal coil, and there's no such thing as a presidential coil. I was taking artistic license. No need to send a correction. But speaking of Veselnitskaya, are you ready for sabotage, hot notes? Yes. Jordan, what is going on with Veselnitskaya? Lots. Uh, so Veselnitskaya and some other familiar names are back in the news now after uh, this Russian opposition group that's based in London that's named the Dossier Center. <laughs> kind of a bad name. Uh, yeah, leaked a bunch of emails that are just really illuminating further details of potential FARA violations, honestly, and Russian meddling and the extent of that and the role that Veselnitskaya and all these other people played in it. So this is pretty lengthy and detailed reporting by the Daily Beast, so I'm just going to go over the highlights today. But I encourage you all to read the full article. And if we could put that in the newsletter, that would be really awesome, actually, uh, because it's there's really a lot of good details in there. But the details largely center around Veselnitskaya and her time that was spent representing Prevazon Holdings, which you will know that name, and their $230 million fraud case, which has, as we know, ultimately spiraled into her 
main job, which is just to overturn the Magnitsky Act. Yeah, because that that fraud case was investigated by Magnitsky, Mm -hmm. who was then jailed and murdered. Yes, which resulted in the Magnitsky Act, which now are the sanctions that Putin has tasked her with trying to get lifted. Mm -hmm. So it's not just Veselnitskaya, though, who's involved in all of this. It's also in, in the story that the Daily Beast broke. It's also an American law firm, actually, named Baker Hofstetler. Yep, that's... um, <clears throat> Yeah, they're in the all over the Fusion GPS stuff. Totally. So Baker Hofstetler <coughs> was working for Prevazon at the direction of Veselnitskaya, but a judgment... This is why this is... This is like the the first major point. A judgment by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals said that that law firm couldn't do work anymore because of a conflict of interest that they had with another client. But what we learned in these emails is that the the law firm did not stop working on this Prevazon case uh-huh. and they were working behind the scenes as like a, essentially like dark counsel. Oh. Right. And they were not supposed to. <laughs> And they were counsel for Prevazon directly, basically sending them direct emails and corresponding with people and the whole time, essentially, despite the court's decision. Um, so I'm, I'm if I don't know who goes first in the fantasy indictment league, but definitely I want to put them on there because this whole thing just seems You're first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there there are so many potential fair violations here. They didn't they didn't register over and, Baker Hofstadler. Yes. They didn't register, and they did. They like they were offering to help Veselnitskaya draft her statement to Congress, like super, super in it council stuff. So that's bad. After being ordered not to. Yep. After being ordered not to, and directly going behind, you know, yeah, that orders <laughs> going wow. behind the orders back. That's crazy. Right, crazy. So the article also mentions, and we already know this, but it's uh, another court order was violated in the case of Nikolai. Gorkov, Gorkov, if you remember, was a witness who just mysteriously fell from his balcony and fractured his skull right before he was supposed to come back to New York to testify um, in this case. And his identity was released, which made it so they could locate him and do that. And that's just important to note that essentially, I think why Daily Beast mentions this is that the things that the way that they were communicating resulted in this being able to happen. Right. Right. And so. That's why it's important for people to, when a court orders you, just like stay out of shit <laughs> to not to not do anything. Um, <laughs> perhaps the most relevant detail to us, though, that has come out of these leaks is further evidence of Sessions' involvement with Russian officials as it relates to overturning the Magnitsky Act. Con- this is the crazy shit. Yeah, this is crazy shit. Contacts that he, under oath, have said did not happen, right? So, But an email sent from Renat Akhmenchin, we know that name. Akhmenchin boasts that he successfully convinced Sessions to open up an investigation into U.S. sanctions against Russia. So that's something that's coming out of this reporting. Akhmenchin was allegedly hired and paid by Prevazon before he started getting paid by a nonprofit, which Akhmenchin and that law firm, Baker Hostetler, helped set up together, by the way. <laughs> so there's another sketchy thing that that law firm was involved in to try to like get the appearance gone of Prevazon directly paying him they set up a fake nonprofit essentially to do it to, to send the money through wow yeah so and then sessions <clears throat> to his credit i guess never did technically open up a formal investigation into the magnitsky act but he did lie under oath about contacts with russian officials <clears throat> so for all we know part of those contacts could have been conversations that looks like if ak mentions telling the truth when he was saying in these emails, hey, I got Sessions to bite the bait, essentially, if those were conversations that did in fact happen and those were the, some of the conversations that Sessions was lying about, 
that's that's huge. Yeah, well, because Sessions was, I think they got off the hook on that one because he was talking about specifically the meetings with like the handshake at the Mayflower Hotel with Kislyak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- th- so, no, I'm not meeting with, you know, the Russians. But right. if he's actually emailing Akhmetian and having discussions about potentially anything uh, involving Prevazon or Baker Hofstetler or, you know, any of these, uh, what was he opening an investigation in? Into, into the Magnitsky the Act. Magnitsky Act. Yeah. Then, then that's, you know, like... Right, which, which passed like ninety-eight to nothing. I don't like what. What investigation are you going to open? It's anyway. It's just. It's all a very bad look for him. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just like it's more evidence of Russia and their campaign to try to influence the election for the purpose of easing sanctions, just like you were saying. And Sessions was one of the earliest adopters of Trump's campaign. Yeah. So the fact that he, I mean, it all lines up for me personally, that he would have been one of the earliest people to adopt this and would have been one of the people involved in some of the earliest conversations about what the relationship with the U.S. and Russia was going to look like moving forward. One of those things being trying to get these sanctions lifted. Yeah, I wonder <clears throat> if Baker Hofstetler knew anything about Gorkov's death, you know? Yeah. I mean, if they're willing to set up fake nonprofits to pay people and refuse and deny, you know, defy court orders to, to continue consulting someone that they're not supposed to be consulting, what else are they willing to do? Some right. shit. Yeah, it is. And I don't know. I don't remember who leaked his identity exactly. I don't. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, like I said, I think I think the reason that they they mention Gorkov in this article is just basically to say some really awful things went down that led to some really serious consequences. And if this law firm was involved in those communications behind closed doors, then potentially maybe they were involved in aiding and abetting that that That's revelation of his identity. Yeah. 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 In some way. And, you know, it's really sketchy about this law firm, which is even worse. The reason that the conflict of interest decision was even passed down from that court of appeals was uh, passed down isn't the right word you know issued yeah whatever um is because his what his conflict of interest was or what their conflict of interest was was five years previous he was actually on bill browder's side and was helping consult with him about what his case was going to look like on the entire opposite end of this case gorkov or baker hofstetler baker hofstetler yeah yeah baker Mm -hmm. hofstetler so then then five years later, they come out, they completely 180. Yeah, and it's and also they, weird because the Fusion GPS did the same thing. Mm-hmm. At first, Fusion GPS was looking into getting dirt on Bill Browder uh, for Prevazon Holdings, working right. for Veselnetskaya. Right. And then Fusion GPS comes out on the side of the Christopher Steele dossier and getting that information on Trump. And it, what a... What a terrible terrible coincidence for them and their yeah. credibility but yeah yeah know. that is that is true that i mean that is true because the fusion was hired by prevazon to smear bill browder right yeah and i think that's a testament to you know i guess just these these sort of arms dealing kind of groups oh, who yeah, are like basically p- just willing to get money from everyone private spies exactly spies for hire exactly yeah, yeah they're they're just they're just people who, not yeah, that literally arms dealing. I'm just thinking of that, right. that person who's willing to sell to anybody. Really, they don't really care who their customer is. Yeah, and the fact that on the same case, like you said, on the same case, they're gonna want completely 180 is, I guess, it's not like illegal. 
right? No, like you, you can, can totally represent do that, whoever you want. But a court's going to say, okay, that's a bit too much conflict of interest that you were on this <laughs> side and now you're entirely on the other side. So yeah. you got to stop like there are counseling. Some, there are some ethics rules there. Right. And then the fact now that they're, they, they just had continued to work with them behind closed doors consistently. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. And did not register as a foreign agent even though they were 100 percent essentially lobbying. lobbying on behalf of yeah a foreign group uh yeah a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. all right well thanks for that thanks for that uh, hot note sabotage yeah, reporting jordan yeah really good you thank guys? you the daily beast yeah. totally like nailed all of that reporting it's a really yeah. good article yes high five daily beast yes yeah. they get Summer. the best shit i know i know it's fucking I would crazy love to work there but like when you, I wonder like you go to work for that. Do you have to bring your own sources with you or do they have a bunch of sources for you yeah. when you get there? Like what's, That's a good question. I mean, deal? I could see someone like Scott Stedman really like thriving in a, in a you know, and a publication like mm-hmm. that. Like I only have like a handful of kind of sources. And so it's like a lot of my sources are secondhand sources. So a lot of the stuff I hear I can't report or I wouldn't report anyway because I don't think it's responsible to do that. Um, sometimes I put beans on things based on that, but I always yeah. try to make sure that it, everyone is conjecture and stuff like that. It's not yeah. <clears throat> reportable facts, but I wonder if I ever got a job for like Politico or Daily Beast or something, if they have like a, a source file for you to access mm-hmm. or, uh, or if you have to bring your own sources with you. And if you don't have sources, you probably can't work Be there. OS. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, to, to that point, too, I should say, when you read the article, you'll see that a lot of the things that I talk about are also countered with, we reached out to X person yeah. or group mm-hmm. who was involved, and they said, they either said, no, that's not true, mm-hmm. or they respond, they refused to respond and yeah. give any comment on it. So, yeah, a lot of investiga- investigatorial, is that the word? Investigatory. Investigatorial work, yeah. I mean, I think if you work for a publication like that, it's like a mixture, like the senior people above you are going to have sources who they, you know, will introduce you to for a given story. You might have some of your own sources, but I think for a lot of it too, you, you're you just reaching out to people for, mm-hmm. for a question. You're doing investigative work. But um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like they probably wouldn't hire you unless you had at least some sources. Right. Because I can, write, I can you know? write the news yeah. seven ways a Sunday. But. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I do appreciate, I think sometimes the Daily Beast kind of gets a rep for just, you know, because they are reporting on such insane shit yeah. that it's almost like hard to believe some of this stuff. And I, I do think their their version of saying it's just conjecture is putting in, you know, those things that say we, yeah. we request a comment and they didn't give it us yeah. give it to us or we did. And they said they're very transparent about that. They are. Yeah. And so we, you sometimes can, we catch a lot of shit for that, too. Like I'll say, oh, yeah, we reported on that last week. And they're like, actually, someone else reported on it and you just repeated it. You know, like people will 100 percent. That is all this podcast. Yeah. Is. This is, I don't fucking know any of these people. <laughs> we may have we may have scooped something three times in our lives, but I mean, this is how Maddo operates. You know, yeah. her, her late news show. She's reporting the news that has already been scooped throughout the rest of the day. Granted, NBC might have scooped some of it, but mm-hmm. she's reporting the news. That's what this is. I'm not trying to say like no. I don't think we've ever said that. That's what we we're doing. make the news. No, no, 100. No, we report it and you uh, put it in a timeline. Yeah, that's in the, in a context, and I think that's why people listen. I bring it all yeah. in that to and the Moby spot. Dick jokes. That- <laughs> <laughs> Moby Dick jokes. <laughs> awesome. All right, you guys ready for the fantasy indictment league? Yes, let's do it. I'm gonna be indicted. No, it is gonna be a indicted. Honey, Dick, indicted. I'm gonna be indicted! Oh, they can't. It's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm gonna be indicted! All right, Jordan, you get to pick first this week. <clears throat> Perfect. Uh, I am going to do the law firm of Baker Hostetler. All right. 
So not Baker, not Hostetler, but the law firm Baker Hostetler. The law firm Baker Hostetler, yeah. All right. I'm going to do Nader. Yes. I'm going to do... I still think he's on the hook for that 2009. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm doing Tom Barrick. You're doing Barrick again? Fucking Barrick, man. All right. I'm going to go Jizlane. Damn. That's going to be my next one. Okay. (laughs) I will do... um, Hmm. I guess superseding Veselnitz Sky is kind of pointless. Probably. I don't know. Because they only got her on obstruction so far, right? I'll do I'll do more Veselnetskaya. All right. Cool. Bring it back to oldies. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean right. if they if anyone picks up that reporting and, and like looks into it more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do Trump organization. Um I'm gonna do Trump inaugural. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna do calamari mm. from the Trump organization. <laughs> I'm going to do Weiselberg. Interesting. I'm going to do, that was going to be my last one, but I'm going to, I'll switch to Wolkoff. Wolkoff is the woman. And this is an interesting um, bit of a rumor that I've heard. Again, totally conjecture, rumor. I'm not scooping anything. I report the news. Um, Wolkoff is the woman who got paid $26 million out of the inaugural. I've heard that, Melania was supposed to get $25 million to stay married to Trump, $25 million if he won, and then an additional $25 million two years later. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that $25 million didn't go through Walkoff from the inaugural because she got paid $26 million to organize the party. Hmm. I'm wondering if that's how Melania got her $25 million. Interesting. Melania blinked twice. <laughs> blink twice if you're okay. No, right. she's like, I'm chilling, dude. I'm rich as fuck. Right? So Walkoff. I think could be. I think that's our. Is that my last pick? Uh, that's your last one, Ag Jordan. You have one more. No, Jordan oh, went wait. first. Okay, so then uh, I think. Oh wait, no, you're right. You're right. Okay. No, you both have five. You're All right. Right. Okay, cool. my mistake. Okay, thank yeah, you, man. Yeah. All right, we will be right back. We have this amazing interview with Asha Rangappa. She's going to talk all about uh, what's going on with the Ukraine uh, propaganda and how Trump is using um, these active measures, these Russian active measures, to try to get you to believe something that's not true. What a shocker. Uh, We'll be right back with that interview. Ever buy something online and then have a friend send you a coupon code you didn't know about? It's worse than being on an airplane of landing clappers. But fortunately, a good friend of mine told me about Honey a long time ago, and and so now I shop knowing I'm always getting the best price. Honey is a free browser extension that saves you time and money while you're shopping online. Basically, they scan the internet, like 37,000 sites, for coupon codes and other discounts, and then like magic, it automatically applies the one with the biggest savings at your cart at checkout for you. It's totally free and magical. Recently, I needed a hair straightener. Uh, Honey fetched me a code that saved me $19. Uh, I was shocked at thinking how how often I've shopped online without it and how much I could have saved. And so now I have it, and I will always make sure that I get the best discount, and I will save the most money. It's literally free money. They do all the work. You don't have to search for the best deal, and it's totally free to use, and it just takes two clicks to install. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash ag. That's joinhoney.com slash ag. Start saving money today. Joining us today for the interview is former FBI special agent, lawyer, and CNN analyst. Please welcome back Asha Rangappa to Mueller, she wrote. Asha, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Good. I'm, I'm really glad to have you because I've been following your Twitter pretty closely. And you've come up with some amazing, like, thunderstruck moments that I hadn't thought of. And I wanted to go over them with you a little bit today. Um, but first... 
to set it up to like set the scene, let's can we go over some of those text messages that uh, let's see, I think it was Engel, Schiff and Cummings from Foreign Affairs Intel and Oversight released Thursday night. Yeah, let me pull them up. Yeah, because it was text messages between top State Department officials involved in the whole quid pro quo thing with the Ukraine you know, withholding military aid and trying to make them look into Joe Biden in 2016. And there's three main exchanges I wanted to ask you about. The first one is this, the actual stated quid pro quo. Um, shortly before the July 25th call that same day between Trump and Zelensky, Volcker texted a Zelensky advisor named Yermak saying, heard from the White House, assuming President Z convinces Trump he will investigate slash, quote, get to the bottom of what happened in 2016, we will nail down a date for a visit to Washington. And I was wondering what you make of that. And is there any other way to Lindsey Graham your way out of this and say it's not an explicit quid pro quo? No, I mean, he is waiting for this is a condition, right? He has conditioned at least um, a meeting in, or a visit to Washington on a particular, you know, fulfillment <laughs> of, of this wish. Um, and, you know, from Ukraine's perspective, this, you know, the visit to Washington is something that they want and they need. Um, you know, the, I think what's key here is understanding that the United States holds the power in the bell in the power differential here. Um, and so you also have to take that into account when you are understanding the requests and demands and conditions that are being made on Ukraine. And they're making it explicit that, it, you know, what happens next depends on their agreeing to those conditions. I mean, do you read, do you read it differently? No, not at all. And I, I completely understand like the 400 million in aid. I think we've given like 1.5 billion in aid to Ukraine since 2014, since the annexation of Crimea. And it's very, very important. We are the you know, kind of the dominance in the power balance. But uh, so why is a visit to Washington so important for Zelensky, a visit to the White House? Just give him credibility as a nation? Yes, I think. I mean, he's a new president, right? Um, to reinforce uh, the relationship, um, you know, for him at within Ukraine, it reassures uh, the people there that we're still going to be assisting them. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of kind of diplomatic reasons why it would be important, um, th you know, that are connected to the actual monetary aid that we give them. Yeah. And I, don't, I didn't mean to uh, insinuate that they don't have credibility as a nation. I mean, you know, the EU and the United States is a um, long record of supporting them militarily against Russian aggression uh, and even beyond that uh, into the past. I didn't I just wanted to make sure people don't think that I didn't think that they were a credible nation. But I think it's fair, though, when you have, you know, a new president that, you know, there is a certain amount of um, imprimatur that they would want from the United States or or other people. Um, you know, to bolster their ability to get things done for Ukraine. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. And it does make sense because they also rely on a lot of, you know, despite what Trump says, a lot of NATO assistance mm -hmm. um, and a visit, a visit to the White House, I think, would bolster that as well. For sure. So the next problem um, text message the State Department has is the exchange that proves the U.S. helped shape a statement from Ukraine about the Biden probe. So your Mac texted Volcker saying, 
Once we have a date, we will call for a press briefing announcing upcoming visit and outlining vision for the reboot of the U.S.-Ukraine relationship, including, including among other things, Burisma and election meddling investigations. So uh, Burisma, of course, is the company that uh, Biden sat on the board with. But I was wondering, you had put this amazing thread together today on Twitter. What are the implications of this text exchange and the U.S. helping them formulate a press statement as far as propaganda is concerned? Yeah, I mean, what I found really striking is that uh, they they wanted Ukraine to make an official statement um, that as part of, you know, the announcing the visit that Ukraine was going to say that it is um, investigating uh, you know, Burisma and uh, 2016 election. And then if you look at the next text exchange, the one on August 13th, we see that uh, there's actually, um, you know, they're crafting exactly what they want Ukraine to say. Um, and presumably Rudy Giuliani is also like involved in drafting the statement. Um, and, you know, if you look at... Um, we intend to initiate a complete and transparent and unbiased investigation of all available facts and episodes, including those involving Burisma and, 20, and the 2016 U.S. election. So there they want him to, um, you know, Zelensky to mention that um, in a public announcement. And the reason that that's important is that it kind of casts doubt on whether the administration was really con really interested in the actual investigation. I mean, if you're really, you know, trying to negotiate with another country to investigate corruption, um, you're having a private phone call, you say, listen, you need to look into, you know, corruption, and they say, yes, we will, and you say, keep us posted. I mean, you would honor their ability to take over, you know, their law enforcement and conduct an investigation and ultimately arrive at the fruits of it. Here, they don't care. They really just want him to say um, and make it clear to a particular audience, which I think is the American voters, that they're doing that. And they're not. And in the message, they're not uh, going to make clear that the U.S. has been involved in crafting the statement in any way or in, uh, you know, essentially coercing them into doing it, um, which is problematic because from the. U.S. point of view, from your U.S. citizen point of view, it then looks like an independent uh, decision by Ukraine to do this, you know, for their own reasons. Um, it's it's a distortion of what is actually happening. And what it would allow uh, Trump to do is then say, hey, look, see, they've come to the same conclusion as we did over here. This is all a witch hunt. Um, and that's black propaganda. When you launder uh, your you know, uh, words or, or ideas and, and have them spoken through another source without disclosing that you're the one behind it, that is a form of propaganda. And it's something that, um, you know, it, it's basically a covert psyop um, that they were trying to pull pull over here. I get it. So just the mere mention from a foreign government that they're investigating the 2016 conclusion uh, would cast doubt on our intelligence community's assessment thereby opening up the door for Trump to because like, you know, I think you and I have mentioned before, no one's going to believe Trump if he says it. But if somebody else is investigating it or, or, or you know, drawing, uh, you know, having questions about the validity of what has already been proven, then 
maybe that gives Trump room to, to, to point and say, look, somebody else is on our side. Exactly. Exactly. And that they, you know, look, this is a whole, this is a different country and they're the, they've already, uh, you know, they're uncovering all this, um, you know, shenanigans too, um, that Ukraine was behind, uh, the DNC hack. And that also gives Trump cover to do other foreign policy things. Like we talked about this AG that he could then use that as a justification to lift sanctions on Russia. Um, he could use that as a justification to pardon Paul Manafort. In other words, he is able to, you know, use Ukraine as, you know, a, a cloak, um, you know, for his true motives um, and be able to do things that he would not be able to do were it out in the open that he was pressuring them to do this. Because then everybody would be like, well, the only reason they're investigating that is because you're like, it's exactly what we're saying now. Yeah. Like, you know, you are basically withholding money. Um, and I just think this is an independent concern apart from abuse of power and soliciting election for an election interference, which are both. It doesn't negate those. But this is like one more to add to um you know, to the list. Yeah. And when you think about Trump's main goals, uh, you know, have to be to please Putin or to lift sanctions. And the two main sanctions drops that came were for the annexation of Crimea and for um, interfering in the 2016 election. Correct. So if he can discredit that, if he can discredit the 2016 findings uh, by Mueller, he can, you know, pave his way to lift those sanctions, just like he's, you know, trying to pressure Zelensky to make a deal with Putin, because if there's a peace deal with Ukraine. Exactly. Yeah. So th that is his main goal. And now I think he's being pushed extra hard um, by Putin because time's running out for him to be there. So, you know, Um and then finally, uh, well, no, I got two more questions here because there was a, a text exchange in which Taylor, the U.S. official in Ukraine, asked, Ukraine asked Sondland, uh, are we now saying that security assistance, meaning the military aid, and White House meetings are conditioned to investigations? And, and to that, Sondland replies, call me. Now, being a government employee, a former government employee, myself included, I know what call me means. What does call me mean? Call me means I don't want to leave a paper trail. Take this offline. Stop. Stop typing yeah. right now. Stop. <laughs> yeah. And in, in, in context, it that makes sense because after five hours, Sondland seems to have gotten some guidance. Well, and one thing, AG, before we go to the next exchange, remember that he could have just said no. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 12. Yeah. Bill Taylor are we now saying no. that security, you know, assistance to White House meeting or conditional investigations. Do you think like two minutes later, if that was really not the reason, you'd be like, no, 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 no. That's not it. Yeah. Then if you said, call me, you know, but like there's nothing like that. It's like, you know, half an hour goes by and he's like, call me. And and of course, right after that, whatever that phone call was. Uh, Taylor says to him, as I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with poli a political campaign. And five hours of radio silence until Sondland comes back with this, you know, uh, written scripted statement. Carefully crafted. Yes. Yeah. Like a cleanup text. Yes. And by the way, also don't miss the September 8th. Uh, where he does it one more time, he says, the nightmare is they give the interview and don't get the security assistance. The Russians will love it. And understand what he's saying there is they give the interview 
expecting the security assistance, which has clearly been what's promised to them. And then the nightmare would be that we don't follow through on that. Like, I I think that that is an important sentence, too. Yeah. Um, because he's basically conveying, look, the understanding that Ukraine has is that once they do what we want, they're getting the money. And my nightmare scenario is that then that doesn't happen either. And that's going to be a huge gift to Russia. Yeah. And he also says, at which point I quit. Um and that also makes it very important about that other uh, Putin call that we learned about that we, we haven't heard about the details of, but is hidden in that code word secure electronic system as well. That makes me really curious about what Trump said to Putin about withholding the aid and trying to get a statement and then maybe just not paying it off. Yes, I, I, I suspect that there could be something along those lines, because obviously Russia doesn't want them to get the money. Yeah, of course not. Right. So I would not be surprised if there was some discussion on how Trump could get out of giving them the money at all. Yeah. And then we also have the potential of, you know, when Trump um, defunded the EDI and the ERI or the European um, Defense Initiative and European Reassurance Initiative, all this money that goes to help NATO protect sovereign nations from Russian aggression, he de- defunded those to 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 build his wall, and I I can't help but think that that wasn't on purpose. Yeah, but you know we don't know about that Putin call yet, or if there are even just one Putin call in that system. I'm sure there's more than one, but can we call them Putin calls? Putin calls? Yeah, I think we can call them Putin calls. I like that. <laughs> um. I, I I just want to read to you the the Sondland cleanup text after he, you know, after because you mentioned the September 8th call where he's like, this is the nightmare scenario. And then he says, I just still think it's crazy that we're withholding military aid uh, for help with Trump's campaign. But the cleanup text, Bill, I believe you are incorrect about President Trump's intentions. The president has been crystal clear on no quid pro quos of any kind. The president is trying to evaluate whether Ukraine is truly going to adopt their transparency and reform efforts that President Zelensky promised during his campaign. So that's not a that doesn't ma- match their previous, you know, calling him President Z and right, you know, that's just a full on, f- like fully punctuated <laughs> statement that could even be copied and pasted. So it's just funny to me. Yeah, the only other place where you have something kind of so formal is in that August 13 call where they're literally like, you know, Volker is is sending a potential draft of language um, for the Ukrainians to in their announcement or whatever. You know, you, that that's the only time where it's like semi-similar. And that's, as you said, very scripted. Right. It's a draft statement. Yeah, exactly. So basically... Yeah, the what you just read was also probably a, like a drafted statement that you said, like you said, cut and pasted. Oh, for sure. And I'm dying to know where he got that from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like who 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 told him that was it Pompeo? You know, I don't know. It certainly wasn't Giuliani or Trump because neither of them can speak like that. So right. <laughs> and and then so you know we have this this whole statement saying, you know, we're just worried about the corruption, basically. And that was Trump's sort of argument for a while. But didn't the entire corruption argument go out the window when Trump asked China to investigate Biden? Exactly. Yes. I mean, well, I think that the argument would be that I guess Hunter made money from China. Isn't that one of the I I can't follow the tinfoil 
proud, like, you know, the the theory, but I think it's that he got money from China. And so then that would be justification for asking China to look into how Hunter and and Hunter Biden, like accompanied Joe Biden on a trip or something like that to China. It's not clear to me. There, there's a there's a China link of some kind. So um, but yeah, you typically don't ask authoritarian governments who jail dissidents and, you know, don't follow due process or international law to investigate your own citizens when you're the U.S. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think the I think the accusation was but uh, Hunter got kicked out of the Navy. Then he took billions from China. And then that was sort of where they left it. But then I think we also found out today uh, that 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 there was a previous call between Trump and Xi where Trump had mentioned the Bidens. And that's also in that code word classified system uh, as well. But and it wasn't uh, the trade war that he was pressuring him with, according to whoever uh, told the press about this. But it was the Hong Kong's remaining silent on the Hong Kong protests. Yep. Yes. He's offering things that, again, are not aligned with what are necessarily in the best interests of the United States. Right. Or our policies or values or whatever. Um, And I just think it goes to I, I think, honestly, Trump sits in the Oval Office and sees the amount of money that's going to different countries. And I think he can't stand it, like in the sense of like, why, you know, why would you give money away if you can't get something for yourself? Yeah. Like, I think for him to do something in the interest of foreign, like of the United States foreign policy or or the best interest of the United States to him is a waste of money. Yeah. If he can't get something out of it, I don't think he sees any purpose in it at all. Yeah. And now we also know that lots of the National Security Council folks uh, and folks in the State Department, career professionals were really frustrated with Trump's silence over the summer about the Hong Kong protests, because usually the United States takes a really firm pro-democracy stance on these kinds of things. And he was he was mysteriously quiet about it. Maybe not so mysteriously anymore, but he was quiet about it. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So there's another phone call in the uh, we need to come up with a name for the <laughs> for where he keeps his pooty calls. And his <laughs> calls. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important. I mean, you're, you know, you're a former investigator and um, we learn from the Mueller report, especially in the obstruction probe in volume two, that it's the totality of the evidence here that that has to be taken into account. Like in the in the Mueller report, when he had said, uh, you know, I didn't use the word fire when I said to get rid of Mueller. But, you know, Mueller said, OK, but look, he 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 ran back. Uh, McGahn threatened to resign over this. Everybody freaked out. So, like, look at all of the reaction around it. And there's only there's th- this is all the substantial evidence to prove that I need for, you know, intent uh, of your obstructive act. And so you know, Lindsey Graham and Trump, they want to take individual phrases and words like I didn't say the words quid pro quo. There's nothing explicit here, uh, but not that you need it anymore with these text messages. But to look at the totality of, of the evidence, I think, is extremely damning in this case. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. Huh, what? OK, so what do we do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think right now in many ways, like this is really unfolding in kind of a perfect way for impeachment, right? I mean, this is very simple. It's very uh, clear. It's understandable to the public. It's there in black and white. We have the, you know, the transcript of the interview. Now we have the text messages. And I think um, 
you know, the best part is that unlike the Mueller investigation, it is coming out rapidly, uh, you know, one right after the other. Um, and it's also unrelated to the Mueller investigation. Um, and I think all of these make it a very compelling impeachment case, even for people who may have been on the fence before. Um, and I think, frankly, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Like, I think there's going to be more. I, I, I still don't think we've seen all of it. Um, like you said, there are still those other calls. Um, so, you know, I, I think we just wait and see at this point. Yeah, buckle up. Do you think that they should keep it focused on Ukraine? Or if we can get this Mohammed bin Salman and Putin call and G call, do you think that that should be subsumed into it or just sort of a side uh, like, hey, we also found this, but... This is our impeachment inquiry is focused on Ukraine. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that they should definitely try to get those calls. And I think to the extent that uh, it is fitting a pattern of Trump leveraging his office and authority um, and, and foreign policy powers to extract, you know, concessions or make deals, you know, that benefit him personally. I think those can be added in. I definitely think the Putin call is, or the Putin call is going to be actually relevant. I can't see how there would not be any connection to the Ukraine peace um, at all. Totally. Um, So, you know, but again, without that, I think you already have a rebuttable presumption of abuse of power, of, um, you know, soliciting foreign interference in our elections. Um, And as I mentioned, I, I think that this demonstrates that they were trying to run a covert PSYOP. On the American public, they were totally ready to do that. And the State Department was on board and willing to help, as was the Department of Justice. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Well, I appreciate you coming on um, a lot. I, you know, I, I really value your insights, especially the, the propaganda thing, you know, getting a foreign country to, you know, question our intelligence community's assessment of Russia being the person or, the, you know, the, the entity who hacked in our 2016 elections. That blew my mind. So thank you for that. I really appreciate your insights. Yeah. And. and- People should read my thread. I don't know if I explained it as well, uh, you know, on on this interview, um, but I think the thread kind of spells out the various steps that that made me reach my conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. And where can they find you on Twitter? At Asha Rangappa underscore. Perfect. Everybody check that out. Make sure that you uh, read it. It's very detailed and it'll it'll blow your mind, especially when you drag Manafort into this craziness. So uh, thank you again, former FBI special agent, lawyer, CNN analyst, uh, awesome person. Uh, Asha Rangappa, thanks for coming on Mueller She Wrote today. Thanks so much, AG. All right. That is our show for today. That was fun. Last night was fun. Hollywood is fun. I don't want to live here, though. (laughs) <laughs> I know it's fun to come here and only be here for a day. Yeah, it's fun to come up here and play Hollywood. Yes, yeah. and then go home and be San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan and I were talking about that last night. Especially for me, as someone who used to live in London, who now lives in San Diego, I like really value the fact that I'm in like a smaller, more chill city now. Mm-hmm. But coming up to LA, we were like, everyone here. What did you say to me last night at the hotel bar? It's like a jungle of two attractive people. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. People who are too oh, yes. attractive. <laughs> stress me out. Can't take it. Yeah. They seriously are all. It's too beautiful. Yeah. I do drop from an eight to a six immediately when I come to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Totes from San yeah. Diego. Well, I disagree with that. I'm just saying I uh, feel the sentiment personally also. <laughs> <laughs> You're not ugly, but I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I love it. I love it. I love it. But it was just amazing to be like, 
hanging out and talking to Lily Tomlin, like a, you know, and and hell yeah, welcome to your parties, Ali. We danced. Yeah, that is the LA. That's what people are here for, right? I danced with Frances Fisher, the the mean mom. Uh, what's from her name? Titanic. Mom from Titanic. <laughs> Rose's uh, mom. Yeah, Rose's mom from yeah. Titanic. The mean mom from Titanic. I got to dance with her, and we she talked about your sea death fear. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, we were so high coming back from Seattle at the park, and you're yes. like, I'm afraid of dying at sea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest fear. I'm not sure if we talked about this on the show sea before. Death. I think we may have. But in Nova Scotia, apparently that was like one of the closest, biggest cities to where the ti- like to where the Titanic sank, so that like most people from Nova Scotia had to go and like collect the bodies. So if you grew up in Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. you grew up learning everything Titanic. And so it's true. She's always had a fear of death. So, so we death. saw that Titanic mom lady and AG was like this is my producer Amanda she's terrifying dying of sea take a picture with us (laughs) (laughs) and you were in Titanic she was like Okay. <laughs> she high fived us. Yeah, it was great. She was wearing an awesome RBG shirt. Yes. I, yeah. I loved her shirt. They gave out whistles. T shirts at the impeachment party last yeah. night. Oh, yes. Trump grabbed my country, spelled C U N T R Y. Trump grabbed my country. Impeach the motherfucker with stuff shirt. That was great. Yeah, yeah um, that was uh, the Trump grabbed my country. That was Trish. Yeah. Yeah, Steph's friend. That yeah, was so Trish funny. Trish was rad. And then Jody, who who appears on the show, she was there. They, she had a whistle around her neck with for the whistleblower. Everybody had these whistles. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I I just remember Lily Tomlin walking around the party blowing on the whistle like. Beep, beep, beep. There's a cutout of uh, of Putin's head just yeah. hanging around, and just Kim like Jong-un. Jong-un. yeah, somewhere. Kim, yes, Kim Jong Un, yeah, oh, mm-hmm. God, so funny. And uh, oh, and God. it was funny because Judy Tenuta. Uh, was sitting and she had the two giant cutout heads like next to her and she's a tiny tiny person she is literally a petite flower she's not joking and she's got these two giant head cutout heads of Kim Jong-un and Putin like next to her tiny little cute <laughs> face and it was just adorable <laughs> yeah it was great I'm um I'm excited for the other party that's going to happen when this actually mm-hmm. goes down mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yeah I'm going to have to call up Stephanie and be like let me help out with this one mm-hmm. um, so that you we talked about renting like a fucking ballroom that would be amazing. Earlier on in the podcast days. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We were going to do that, huh? When we thought it was the Mueller report that was going <laughs> to lead to this. And now here we are. Maybe we need to have a party in L.A. when he's impeached. No, maybe, yeah. Maybe. I'm, I'm sure Steph will have another one. Dude, it'll be the fucking biggest party in the goddamn <clears throat> world. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Yes. All right. Well, anyway, thank you all for yeah. your for your love and support. Uh, and listening and uh, and sharing with us. If you have any corrections um, for this episode, you can hit us up at com. Click contact and select corrections from the drop-down menu. Build us a compliment sandwich. We'll get it right. And we'll see you in Boston on the 7th yeah. of November, and we'll see you in Nashville at Politicon on October 27th. Yeah, and we will have meet and greets for both of those events, and we will get that information out to you ASAP uh, sooner if you're a patron. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah we're going to be having a meet and greet in Nashville um, in, uh, with Politicon. We're organizing it with the folks at Politicon. So uh-huh. we'll get that info out to you ASAP. And then also um, in Boston, the main meet and greet at the venue is now sold out as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a bonus VIP meet and greet in Boston, and you you uh, need to be a patron if you want to have first dibs on those tickets. Yeah, for sure. And usually when we offer them to patrons, they usually so- get sold out by the patrons. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if you want to become a patron, we're going to start doing video feeds of Daily Beans, I think, at some point in, in the next month or two. We just got to set up the cameras and start brushing our hair. Yeah, that means I have to shower. <laughs> <laughs> you might get 
like onesie AG uh, just with bedhead and you're just going to have to love it. I think that's what people would want to pay for. I think so too. (laughs) too. You find out why I'm a six in LA. Um, (laughs) And you can do that by signing up at, um, uh, patreon.com slash Muller. She wrote. Yep. And you become a, a patron for both shows. Yeah. Uh, and we keep you up to date on everything. You get that premium feed so you you can drop it into your uh, player and get all the ad-free ad free Daily Beans episodes. Yeah, we post the Daily Beans uh, ad-free the night before everyone else. Yeah. So that's cool. You get a little, you get early access to that. Yeah, you get it a few hours before it comes out yeah. to the public. So that's fun. You can hear it in real time on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get access to our Facebook group, which has like over 3,000 resistors in it. Yeah. And it's really cool. Yep. A lot of good perks. Yeah. Newsletter mm-hmm. with my personal show notes, research notes, mm-hmm. contacts, yeah. links to all the articles, jokes, memes, Moby Dick, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> I can't believe that. Uh, anyway, any final thoughts? Anybody have anything they want to say? Mm. Yeah, no final thoughts <clears throat> for me. Nope. Yes. No. Get ready to drive home. Yeah. 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 Let's go drive down the five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> drive down the five. All right. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I've been AG. I've, I've been, been Jordan. Oh. Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> Somebody That's thinks okay. they're number two. <laughs> I know my place. I'm sorry. I usually do go last. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, you go first. Uh, I have been Ooh. Mandy Reader. I'm AG. I'm Jordan Coburn. <laughs> and this is Muller She Wrote. <laughs> Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. W Media.